Hi all, and thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Open House. We're on a mission to develop a new mental health experience for all, because we believe that you can truly experience life advancement without having to spend thousands of pounds on -on one-on-one therapy. We believe that happiness is coming home to yourself under the layers and layers of you that society has told you to be. If you love this episode today, please do share on social media and tag us at Open House Life, as well as tagging Dr. Tari and I. Now, into the episode, and it's a juicy one. Hey guys, I'm checking in with you from a very rainy South Africa today. I don't even know if you can hear the rain in the background, but it is pouring outside, and I thought, what better time than to record this episode? So today I'm checking in with you to discuss the amazing news of Rihanna getting pregnant with ASAP Rocky's baby, age 33, I think. I'm not like super good on celebrity stats, but something like that. And I honestly wish we could spend the whole episode talking about those insane pregnancy reveal photos in that pink Chanel puffer jacket and how the rest of her outfit was rumoured to cost $29,000, Gucci pumps and all. But today I'm not here to talk to you about that. What I am here to talk to you about is the fact that not only has Rihanna met her person and got pregnant in her 30s and not her 20s, but taking it one step further, that it was at 31, when most people feel like they should settle down, is when she in fact bounced from her three-year long-term relationship with Hassan Jamil. Yeah, she did. Rihanna, rightly so, harnesses that queen energy which teaches us to never settle down in a relationship unless you are 100% happy in the relationship that you're in, no matter how rich or attractive the other person might be. And we all know that I love a billionaire shake. Very up my strata. Anyway, when the news broke, one of my best friends messaged me saying, I can't believe she's only 33. I literally thought she was 45. And this made me laugh because I do feel like she's been around with us for a very long time. But what it really got me thinking about was that if Rihanna was 45 and single, we wouldn't judge her. We definitely wouldn't shame her and say, wow, how weird is it that Rihanna hasn't settled down? Or how weird is it that no one's chosen Rihanna to be their wifey? Speculation here, but I actually think it would be quite the opposite. I feel like we would be like, yo, Rihanna hasn't actually found someone good enough for her to be willing to settle down just yet. And why is that? Because Rihanna knows that she's a queen. But for the rest of us, we don't treat ourselves this way or with this Rihanna energy. We don't celebrate in being single until we finally find someone worthy of us giving away our singleness and our independence to. And we certainly don't celebrate staying single until we find someone who matches up to our level of greatness. In fact, there's very little that's celebrated about being single at all. And in today's episode, I'm going to change that. We aren't harnessing Rihanna energy at all and nowhere near enough as we should do as single men and women. And that's because, I get it, we aren't Rihanna. But one of my favourite things about her is that she's been very well known to say when asked about her dating life that men are the least interesting thing about her. Fair fucking play. Before we start, I also just want to caveat that I have no doubt that there are hundreds of millions of people who have met the love of their life, their teammate, their best friend and their soulmate in their teens or in their 20s. This episode is not putting any shade on them, but this episode is a personal reflection on what my own journey has taught me about finding my person in my 30s or 40s and not my 20s. Now, let's get into it. Point one. I didn't know who I was in my 20s, but in my 30s, now I do. 
Much like Rihanna being thrown into the limelight as a young girl, most of her 20s were probably a blur. And much like mine. Except I wasn't Rihanna and mine were just a blur because I did so much partying. But all jokes aside, I did not have a clue who I was in my 20s. I personally think that until we start doing the work, we kind of just shuffle through life in a state of unconsciousness. Sort of going through the motions without ever really fully engaging with ourselves. Or asking ourselves, hey, fuck, what is going on here? How do I actually feel? Am I happy? What do I like about my life? What do I like about myself? How do I show up in the world? And how do I show up in love and relationships? Perhaps maybe even more importantly, I think that in our 20s, we really do not look at our negative traits, our negative personality styles, and everything that comes along with that too. For example, how and why do I deal with stress the way that I do? Why do I smoke? Or why do I drink so much? Or maybe why do I feel the need to overcompensate and overperform when I'm with other people? When you finally hit that moment of waking up and realizing that you are shaped by your childhood, but the only person who could control how that shows up in adulthood is you, you finally step into a place of power. And for me personally, I think that that's something that happens closer to the age of 30 than 20. Before turning 30, people told me that turning 30 was the start of your life. And I have to be honest, I kind of agree. I like myself so much more in my 30s than I did in my 20s. I was fully asleep in my 20s and I made so many bad decisions. And this for me really made sense when my therapist taught me that our brains don't actually develop fully until we're 25. Adults above the age of 25 think with their prefrontal cortex, which is the brain's rational part. And this is the part of the brain that responds to situations with good judgment and an awareness of long-term consequences. The reason that I'm laughing when I say that is because my pre-25-year-old brain definitely did not think about anything long-term consequences when I was in that moment. Teenagers and young adults instead actually process information with the amygdala part of their brain, which is the emotional part. And what this means is that sub-25, you're much more likely to be making decisions from a place of emotion. And that means that our decisions are actually informed by an insane amount of emotional input. I'm obviously not a therapist, but I think that this would probably explain why some of the things that we do when we're younger, we grow up to regret so deeply. Looking back, I think sometimes some of us say like, I just can't explain what I was thinking or I don't know what I was doing. And that's because we actually weren't thinking, we were feeling. After starting therapy and understanding about this adult brain, I now realise that I wasn't actually acting from a rational space when I was younger at all. And this has been able to give me so much more compassion to that sub 25 year old who made so many bad decisions. It's enabled me to be compassionate to the version of me that cheated on my first boyfriend and fully broke his heart as well as mine. It's also enabled me to be compassionate to the version of me that continued to cheat on boyfriends after that before the age of 25 because I didn't understand at that point that my desperate need for love and validation needed to come from within me as my stable home base rather than from the attention and validation from people outside of me. Understanding that for so much of that time, I was kind of being driven by this sub 25 year old brain has now allowed me to be so grateful for this adult grown up brain that I've grown into. So if you're in your 30s and still single, and if you haven't already started, now is the perfect time to be getting to know yourself. And I mean this because right now you're single and able to fully commit to you without everything else that comes along with a relationship, children and family. 
being single in your 30s means that you have an adult, rational, grown-up brain that is now the perfect time for you to start to understand why you made the decisions that you did, what was driving them, and why they showed up with the repercussions that they did. For me personally, I'm actually so grateful that I'm single right now because I am doing so much self-work and I don't want to bring my baggage from the past into my future relationship. I'm honestly actually not even ready to meet my person yet because I'm doing so much self-work and I'm so grateful for this time on my own because I don't want to bring my baggage from a past relationship and what I've been learning over this last year into my next relationship. So for me, I am so grateful that I have this time on my own right now where I can fully commit to myself so I can show up as the perfect person to be in a relationship with. And when I say perfect, I obviously mean limited because we are all limited. But what I mean is that I'm going to be able to show up in the best way possible with the most amount of self-awareness, self-compassion and empathy for myself and my future partner. So I know that I'm going to be giving my next relationship the best shot possible. Okay, point two. Another reason that I'm insanely grateful for being single in my 30s is that it gives me the ability to look back at the relationships that I had in my 20s and to basically see what I was doing wrong and why I was making those decisions. I'm not going to lie, I made a lot of Chris Brown type decisions in my 20s and now I actually understand having gone to therapy that this is backed up by a lot of brain chemistry and the concept of neurotransmitters. With the way that your brain is wired in your 20s you can become overwhelmingly attracted to a partner's physical attributes because of this cocktail of noradrenaline, dopamine, serotonin and oxytocin that will make you desire that other person so much. However, when you get into your 30s, you become less ruled by raging hormones and neurochemicals and you can start to develop more rational dating decisions and a more rational dating style rather than just rushing headlong into a relationship that is wrong for you. Hand on heart, I can say that my taste in men was 100% driven by chemicals and a lack of self-awareness before I turned 30. At 18, like I mentioned, I met someone and fell in love for the first time and I have never experienced anything like it. For three years, I was literally obsessed with this person. And then I got drunk and smashed it into oblivion by cheating on him and getting caught, breaking his heart and mine in the process. By the age of 25, the chemicals and attraction to my next boyfriend totally overrode the fact that he was a volatile, erratic and abusive man. I didn't for one second ever think to myself, hey, I don't think this is what love is supposed to be like. Instead, I was just fully smitten by him, how attractive I thought he was, the chemistry between us, and I honestly was just kind of okay with being on this horrible roller coaster. The situation doesn't end there though. By 28, I fell in love with someone who later went to jail. Yes, really. In his defense, he was a much better guy than the jail stereotype kind of makes out, but looking back, I think it just further confirms that my taste in men was driven by chemicals rather than logical, rational thinking. In my 20s, I was picking people from my inner child wounds and this neurochemistry. I was picking people who were emotionally unavailable or volatile, people that were highly attractive and not really very well aligned with me. And I was picking people who kept me on my toes, who were hot and cold, who were never consistent, and ultimately who were just wrong for me. I wasn't aware of my own personal wounds in my 20s and so because I didn't know myself I made awful choices whilst dating and I didn't even understand what was driving them. 
Another reason that I'm grateful to be single in my 30s is that if I had settled down in my 20s with any of these three men, I have an almost 100% guarantee that give it a decade and we wouldn't still be together. So for me, yes, sometimes I wish I'd found my person, but at the same time, I just thank my lucky stars that I didn't jump into marriage long term with one of those people that was wholly unsuitable for me. Okay, Point three, another benefit of being single in your 30s is watching your friends get married and have babies. Because for me personally, this has taught me so much about what I want in a partner and when I want to settle down. Watching my friends get married and have babies has been a revolutionary experience for me. And one that I honestly think has really shaped and changed the way that I view long-term partnerships and families. Like many of us, I was dating blind in my 20s and I was driven by attraction and my childhood wounds. And in my 20s, I definitely didn't have to think about the more serious long-term questions. For example, I was never ever thinking, how would you be as a parent? How would you be as a father? What would you be like as a husband? How would you be as a team member? I was just going straight first into love, lust and everything in between. Watching so many of my friends get married and have babies has actually shown me which of their traits and their partners I really envy. And I mean envy in the nicest way possible. Taking a couple of examples, I'm envious of my brother and his fiance at how much they laugh together. It's literally just so amazing to be around and they have so much fun and such a firm basis of friendship at the foundation of their relationship that it's made me realize that I want to be with someone that I have that much fun with. It's become very clear to me that parenting as a team is really, really important because having a child is insanely difficult. And I don't think I ever realized that before until I turned 30. There are some couples around me that it's very clear that they kind of parent together as a team and they work really well together to make sure that they can both get things still in their life, whether it's like going to the gym or seeing their friends in the way that is really, really important for them to kind of keep some level of normality in the craziness of having kids. These couples kind of inspire me and make it very clear for me that I want to end up with a partner who's also able to show up in that parenting unit alongside me and that we can treat parenting, if we ever get there, as the definition of teamwork. So another thing that it's made me grateful for is also being able to kind of understand that right now is my time to nail my career, to get as much money in the bank as I can, and to lay the foundations for something that's going to work for me when I have a baby, not that I have to work for. What else? I've also become kind of very respectful and envious of the kind of relationships where two extended families fit so well together with the parents and the sisters and the brothers all becoming part of one big family unit, which really helps with the parenting responsibilities. This is something that I've learned from my ex-boyfriend's family who are Kurdish and they have the biggest and most supportive family unit. Looking back um, at the erratic and angry boyfriend that I've spoken about earlier in this podcast, he was not close with his family at all. And looking back, I am now so grateful that I'm not entering into a marriage or a partnership with someone who does not have that family unit around him. Family is so, so important to me. And what I realized is that I really want it to be important for my future partner too. On the flip side, there are also traits from people around me that I also don't want in my future relationship. For example, I see some friends lying to their partners. I see some friends having no lives or hobbies or interests outside of their partner. And I see some people just merging into one with their partner and becoming all consumed by suburban family life. 
I'm sure that for some people that makes them very happy. But for me, it's become really clear that I want to be a mum who retains some element of my social life and my working life. And so it's been really amazing to watch some of my best friends go through motherhood before I get there because I am learning so much from them. I have to be honest, I wouldn't have had this self-awareness in my 20s to kind of look at those couples around me and learn from them or be inspired by them. And doing this in my 30s has really helped me to actually build out almost like a shopping list of ideal personality traits that are really important for me to find in my future partner and that I'm not willing to settle on. More on the shopping list later. Okay, point four. I'm never going to settle in my relationship because not only is the impact on me going to be catastrophic, but ultimately the impact on my future children is just going to be too big. In full Rihanna energy, I always say, and I've said this for ages, that I would prefer to wait until I'm 40 to meet the right person rather than settle down at 30 and pick the wrong one. This is something that I'm actually quite vocal about and that I really, really stand by. And it's one of the reasons that I broke up with that very, very angry boyfriend. One day I woke up and I realized, oh my God, I literally can't have this man as the father of my children because he is an absolute terror. I think in that moment, my rose tinted glasses literally smashed and I just had this horrible vision about my poor little future children cowering when he would shout or get angry. And from that moment on, I realized this relationship is done and I'm never ever going to date a man like this again. Today, in my 30s, if I start dating you and you show me any signs of being erratic, aggressive, or like a bad drunk, you are out the door straight away. It is honestly one of the biggest red flags for me ever. I want to raise happy, healthy, and conscious children if I have the opportunity to do so. And to do that, I have to find a happy, healthy, and conscious partner. And this is not something that I'm going to scrimp on. Because as Dr. Tari says, a relationship is only ever as healthy as its most unhealthy member. I love that quote. Okay, point five. I'm grateful for being single in my 30s because I understand that every relationship is a vehicle and a teacher and nothing is ever a time waster. I hear people around me all the time getting annoyed at themselves and their ex-partners that maybe they wasted their time with them or maybe they've now been pushed into being single and in their 30s or 40s. Now, what I say to this is, do you think we're going to hear Rihanna sitting around moaning and crying about the people that she dated before ASAP Rocky? Chris Brown, maybe yes, but she doesn't strike me as the negative type that's going to sit around moaning and feeling sorry for herself. Now, I'm going to be honest, for me, this is something that I did have to work on because historically I have looked back and kind of scolded myself for my decisions in partners or spending so much time with people that were wrong for me. And maybe even for being weak, for not leaving situations sooner when I knew deep down that this wasn't the person for me. But today, with a belief in a bigger power and a bigger consciousness and ultimately a destiny for all of us in life, I truly believe that everything is right on time. And we are all just working through the relationships that we need to go through to learn the things about ourselves that we need to, to take us to our future partnership. If I didn't have those relationships in my 20s, I wouldn't have learned about the savage impacts of infidelity, not only to my partner, but also on me, who has arguably suffered much more greatly in the long run than my ex-boyfriend. I wouldn't have learned about getting messed around by men and being ghosted to understand how important communication and emotional availability and consistency is to me. I wouldn't have learned how awful toxic relationships can be and how I deserve so much more than for settling for an angry, volatile and erratic man who just hasn't even started doing any self-work on himself. 
For me, I went through my last breakup age 31 in the middle of a pandemic with my heart far too broken to ever even consider dating for the whole 12 months after that. Today, nearly at the top of the mountain and 14 months past the breakup, some people say to me, don't you think you wasted a bit of time with him in your 30s? But I don't regret the situation at all. If anything, it was probably the most important relationship I have ever had. And to this day, I truly think it was the most deep, beautiful and wonderful love that I've ever experienced. It taught me what true love was and it taught me what true connection was. But it also taught me that just because you love someone doesn't mean that you can make it work forever. So here I am. I'm 33 and I easily could be holding my past relationships against me, thinking I've wasted time, I've chosen the wrong people. But actually, I look at it quite the opposite. I'm not angry in any way, shape or form. And I treat every single relationship and interaction with compassion because I am now so clear on what it has taught me. I am 100% certain that every single thing I've learned in these previous relationships since the age of 18 are going to take me into this final relationship one day as a better, more beautiful, more compassionate, more communicative and more empathetic, well-rounded partner. Okay, now as we look to wrap up this episode, I just want to say, look, don't get me wrong. There are days when I cry out of frustration that I'm alone or I'm single and I can't find my person in a world full of beautifully happy coupled up people. And of course, there are days when I'm scared that I might never find my person or I look in the mirror and I think, oh, how could anyone love me when I look like this? Because honestly, I mean, I do not know how some people wake up in the morning actually looking not like The Hobbit. But on the whole, I harness the most intense trust and compassion for the journey I've gone through, the self-work I'm doing and the relationship that I know is waiting ahead for me. For me, I don't look at my mess and my learnings and my mistakes as something to be ashamed of like I used to, but I'm now able to come to the table proudly with all of my missteps and all of my mistakes, knowing that one day they're going to take me to the end of the wedding aisle with someone that is perfectly right for me, even if I have no idea where they are right now. Okay. So that's my roundup of just a couple of reasons why in my personal experience, I think society should stop treating being single in our 30s or 40s as being a curse, but instead looking at it as a real opportunity. I don't want to glaze over the fact that the pressure that comes with a ticking biological clock is a very real, very heavy pressure to live with. But what I am going to say is that I don't doubt that when Rihanna broke up with her ex-boyfriend, that she had any idea she was going to meet someone else and be pregnant within two years. Like I said, things happen quickly when you get a bit older, and 10-year relationships in your 20s will actually most likely reflect the same path as like a two- or three-year relationship in your 30s and beyond, particularly when you find someone who is on the same page as you and wants the same thing. And this, for me, is just one more thing that makes me feel a little bit more confident in my own biological clock whenever I'm having a little panic. I think you need to be ready at any moment for things to change and to change fast. And for me, this means dating with intention, knowing myself and knowing what I'm looking for. So for the end part of the episode, I'm going to leave you with my own personal tips and tricks that I've learned in therapy that I think can really help to make you happier with your current position in life as a single person, as well as getting you ready to be in the best position possible to have a flourishing, thriving relationship when you do meet someone. Okay, first up, 
you got to be happy on your own. And I know that that sounds so insanely cliche, but I truly actually deeply believe, now I understand about energies and biofields, that we actually emit a vibrational frequency that reflects our emotional state. So going out into the world with kind of a love me, love me desperation energy is never actually going to attract the type of person that is strong, independent and healthy in their own right. We're 30 and over, so we're going to be avoiding those trauma bonds and kind of unhealthy codependent relationships at this point because we know too much to be entering into them. But to do that, it really means you have to be okay and happy on your own. So get into therapy if that is something that you are struggling with. Two, talk about whatever you're feeling because letting the rising wave of fear, stress and anxiety rise up inside you is not conducive to the calm version of you that you need to navigate your 30s with ease and to attract the right type of people to you. Know that it's okay to be frustrated and confused and scared about maybe like not finding someone or being the only single person in your friendship group but you must talk through these feelings with either friends or ideally a therapist. We want and need you to be as happy as possible right now because these are actually some of the best years of your life. So if you are not happy, let's get you there. And remember, whatever it is, you have to feel it to heal it rather than working through life, holding on to anger, resentment, frustration or disappointment. Next up. Work out exactly what you want in a partner. And I know it sounds silly, but when I realized that I could never attract the person that I wanted without knowing who and what I wanted them to be like, I started working on a shopping list with Dr. Terry. I wrote down all of the things that I thought I wanted in a person, and then she showed me how many of them were missing. For example, things like being kind even in conflict are things that I hadn't thought about, but that are so, so important to me. Next up, be confident in your fertility. And this one applies to both sexes and genders. For me, having gone through the appropriate checks and seeing gynecologists and knowing that absolutely everything in my reproductive system and my hormone levels is functioning as it should, I know that I'm in optimal health. I do think though that it's really, really important to kind of get this fertility checked sooner rather than later because I do think that a lot of people end up finding someone and maybe jumping straight into marriage and kids, particularly when you're in your 30s, and then finding out that actually it isn't going to pan out quite the way that you thought. And if you do have issues with your fertility, I think that's just always a good thing to understand because obviously it may mean that you may need to save up money for IVF or to look at a different route around pregnancy. I've also checked out my cellular health, so I know that my cellular health is coming in way younger than my biological age. And I also take a lot of very high quality supplements that support aging and anti-aging, including resveratrol, NMN and NAD, as well as vitamin C, vitamin D and glutathione, amongst others. All of these help to reduce oxidative stress in the body, and that in turn kind of leads to the increase in aging of cells and their processes. Okay, next up, after you've ensured that you're looking after yourself, you need to make sure that you're putting yourself in the right situations to meet the type of person that you want to meet. And as much as I'd love Mr. Bright to come in and sweep me up off my couch on a Friday night when I'm watching Netflix with a takeaway pizza, I know that this isn't going to happen. So putting yourself into the right situations to meet the right types of people is critical. And let's be honest, finding someone at a bar, in a nightclub, in Infernos on a Friday night is probably not going to be where you're going to find your husband. 
for me, I make a really conscious effort to go into dinners and events at places that I think the type of person that I might end up with might be. I'm always open-minded and I'm always open to talking to people in coffee shops or in co-working spaces. And when I use dating apps, I do it with intention. I kind of start the conversation and I am sure that I'm clear about what they want so as not to waste my time or theirs. All in all, being clear on what you want and putting yourself into places where you're most likely to get it is going to help you here. Next up, and now you're working with your own level of self-awareness around what works for you, what doesn't, and what you need for a healthy relationship, you need to practice the ability to hit the quit button whenever you see a red flag in either you or them that can't be overcome or that is going to influence and impact how your relationship pans out. It's safe to say that even though we hate to admit it, we do have less time in our 30s and 40s to hang around than we do in our 20s. So we need to act and date smart. Whenever you see or sense a red flag, don't ignore it. Don't wait and hope for it to pass and don't make excuses for their behaviour because you want it to work or because their past has been hard or because they've gone through a lot. At this point in our lives, we need to approach dating with a little bit of realism. And it is up to us and us only to take full responsibility for who we are, what we've gone through and how we show up in a partnership. And that goes for the person you are dating too. Instead of ignoring it, dig into whatever the red flag is and open a discussion with you and your partner. Are they going to take responsibility for it? Are they willing to work on it? And equally, be open-minded when your partner brings this feedback to you as well. How do you feel about what they're saying? And is it something that you can accept, acknowledge and work on? A conversation like this, done with love and compassion, can help both of you avoid wasting your time, particularly with someone who is just not looking for the same things as you or who has a different idea of what love and a long-term relationship is. Now, this piece of advice is something that I'm working on personally, because sometimes the excitement of meeting someone and the pure thrill of attention, validation and fancying them can really take over our rational mind, particularly if you're like me and you very rarely meet people that you're interested in. Having these conversations straight up are really important. So if you're showing me red flags that you're not willing to work on, then I'm out because I know without them being worked on, they are only going to become more destructive over time. My final tip to anyone who is in their 30s or 40s and single is to just enjoy life because it's true what they say, love comes in the most unexpected places and when you least expect it. I'm talking from experience here. I met my last and most revolutionary boyfriend in the Apple store. We might not be together now, but if I hadn't have gone into the Apple store on that specific day at that specific time, I would never have met him and I would never have gone on the journey that he took me on, which has brought me so many steps closer to my true self and that poor little inner child that needed so much love inside of me. I don't believe in coincidences. I believe that literally everything happens for a reason. And I believe that your person is going to appear right when they're meant to, as long as you are doing the work that is going to take you to the right type of person. Okay, so wrapping up today's episode, no pun intended, Rihanna and ASAP Rocky are iconic on so many levels. But for me personally, it's Rihanna in a relationship sense as someone that I really think that we can take inspiration from. Not only did she overcome an incredibly abusive, horrible, toxic relationship in her 20s, but she didn't go back to it or start dating someone similar. Instead, she continued onwards and upwards. 
Throughout her 20s, she never let her relationship or a man define her, her identity, her success or a career. And she left a relationship at 31, which is a time when so many women would normally panic, stress and fear themselves into staying. She knew her worth and she left when something wasn't right, knowing that there was something out there for her, irrelevant of how the rest of society makes people age 30 and over feel. And not only did she do that, but two years later, she's met someone even more aligned with her and she's pregnant. Often the universe rewards us for getting out of our own way and staying in a relationship or trying to make it work with someone that you know deep down isn't right is always going to be holding you back and getting in the way of you meeting the person who is right for you. I think things happen very, very quickly as you get older and when you're dating. So I personally feel like I'm grateful for every single last moment that I have as a single person before one day we are never going to be single again. So I say let's enjoy in these moments of independence and ability to just do whatever we want to do before we are in a long-term relationship. For me, I'm actually so insanely grateful for this time being single so I can work through everything I've gone through before I meet my Mr. Right. And so whatever happens with ASAP Rocky and Rihanna, I think we can all take from this episode that Rihanna doesn't settle. And if Rihanna doesn't, then neither do I. So take that Rihanna energy and take it into your day-to-day life because I guarantee it's going to shift the way you show up in the world. Love you guys.